Hello and welcome to the Translation Company Talk, a weekly podcast show focusing on translation services and the language industry. The Translation Company Talk covers topics of interest for professionals engaged in the business of translation, localization, transcription, interpreting, and language technology. The Translation Company Talk is sponsored by YYZ Translations. Your host is Sultan Ghaznawi with today's episode. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Translation Company Talk podcast show. I'm your host Sultan Ghaznawi and today we will discuss an important topic which is scaling a language company. My guest today is Cody Broderick, CEO and founder of Inwat Language, which is a Salt Lake City, Utah-based full-service language company. Besides leading in what language, Cody also sits on the board of advisors and trustees of multiple organizations, including World Trade Center Utah, Utah Technology Council, Utah Qinghai Eco Partnership, and ConnectShare. Cody, welcome to the Translation Company Talk podcast. How are you? I'm doing excellent. Thank you. Appreciate you having me on. Uh, let me start by asking you to tell me about yourself and uh, what you do. Uh, I understand that you are run- running a very successful language company at this point. Yes, thank you. Um, so I'm Cody Broderick. I'm the I get the honor of being the founder and CEO at In What Language. Uh, I'm really passionate about our industry and providing language technology solutions and services to small businesses, enterprises, and government uh, around the world to help them grow and and break down language barriers and communicate. So our team is very passionate about uh, those types of services that we provide. We've been around for 10 years and provide an array of language uh, services and solutions for our international clients. On a personal level, I'm a proud husband and father of two beautiful boys, uh, 11 and eight. And as a family, we love to adventure and enjoy our state. We live in Utah, Salt Lake City. So we love to get out in the outdoors um, and enjoy our state and travel. It's a little bit about me. Uh, thank you so much for sharing that. Let me ask you a little bit about um, in what language, which verticals does it operate in and, and what it offers to its clients? Yeah, great question. So. Our leadership team has a little over 60 years of experience in the industry, which makes us uniquely positioned in a number of different verticals to Mm -hmm. help our customers with uh, solutions. So a few of our key focus areas um, are uh, localization, transcreation, a lot of multicultural marketing, of course, translation using advanced tools uh, to help expedite a, a lot of PEMT, a lot of human adaptation, quite a bit of depth in e-learning and training, um, a lot of depth in healthcare. We've got a pretty strong growing portfolio as well of interpretation. And uh, so whether that's over the phone or for simultaneous for events or meetings, that's been a good vertical for us to grow, especially post-pandemic. And we do a very good job as well with media, any type of media localization. We have an in-house recording studio and a lot of depth to help with any type of transcription or uh, media related 
services, which plays nicely along with our e-learning depth as well. Sounds like you've got a nice scope of services that you're offering to your clients. What was the motivation, Cody, to join this industry? Was it an accident for you? No, that's a great question, Sultan. Um, I made an intentional decision to join this industry. My undergraduate degree is in finance, and I was considering going back and working on Wall Street and you know, chasing a financial degree. I was recruited into this industry about 16 years ago, and I just fell in love with it. I fell in love with the idea of helping synchronize people and businesses, helping people communicate, helping uh, provide careers and, you know, opportunities for people all around the world, building a global network of people and just love different cultures and people. So I was very attracted to it. And um, obviously, since then, our industry's done quite well and our industry is you know, looks, it has a very bright future moving forward as well. Right, right. And uh, during this journey of yours, uh, from where you started in this industry, what were some profound and major changes uh, that, that you've ob- uh, observed, that you've seen uh, over this period of time? Um, well, there's there have been a number of, you know, profound changes just uh, in our industry, but also with technology and how it's shaping the way that our industry is moving forward from right. looking at, you know, the types of tools and technologies and how they're advancing to automations and integrations. Um, I remember when we first started in the industry, it was all about FTPs and emails. And, um, and you know, we've, we've made some significant advancements to help organizations automate the way in which they're translating content, um, and help them better manage it. And, you know, help understand how that relates to their growth. You know, how quickly are they moving to market, their engagement on their content. And so it's uh, it's just been really exciting to see the way our industries evolve, but also with, you know, technology. And uh, Cody, uh, just to go back a little bit, how did those changes affect you at a personal as well as at a business level? Yeah, that's a great question. So for years, we've developed our own TMS it's called LMX Unify, and there are pros and cons with that. You know, there are there's some good things about being able to customize things, and there's also challenges with, you know, building your own technology um, when there are some industry standard tools um, out there, as everyone knows, MemoQ and MemSource and Tratos and things like that, that in some ways can uh, do much better. So. We are open as a provider to creating the best solution for our customers. So sometimes that's in our environment, uh, depending on the project type and file type, but sometimes that's in tools that have, you know, been being built for, you know, years and years and have had millions of dollars invested in them. And, And there are some things that we don't as a company see ourselves competing with and Um, So we do license other technology tools and we're agnostic to what our customers require. So as an example, Walmart is a customer of ours. Um, We do the majority of the work that we do with them in World Server. But we do have a review feature in our platform that they are keen to and they, they feel like it's a better process for them. So we've integrated them into our technology to use uh, certain aspects of it. And have you noticed that um, by being a leader in terms of having your own tools and your own technology, it has positioned you differently in the industry compared to others? Um, Yes and no. 
I think yes, because it allows us to customize things and also from a competitive standpoint of customers see things that they like and they know that they cannot get that anywhere else. I think that's good. Um, it does come with costs though. You know, you have to have a development team, a support team. You have to um, continue to grow and innovate what, what um, you have. And at the same time, there are a number of tools that are available that um, can be white labeled and they're, uh, they're just as competitive in many ways. So it sort of depends on the, the opportunity and the customer and the need and what's going on. You know, we aren't, we aren't the right platform for every customer that comes in. Um, that's why we have to be open to other tools as well. Let's, let's uh, discuss our topic for today, Cody. Scaling a language company upwards is a, a challenge that most of us face or have faced. Uh, please share your thoughts on this. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, I think it's important for everyone to know that we're in a service business. Right. You know, there, there are there are elements of technology and of process and of tools that we use to enhance and um, help streamline, you know, create efficiencies. But at the end of the day, it's it's a very service based business. You know, providing an exceptional experience for customers is the most important aspect, in my opinion. We all in our industry try to tie customers into our technologies and the tools we use and sort of make it sticky and strategically harder for them to leave. But at the end of the day, if your teams really at every touch point from the moment they're engaged on the website to a salesperson, to ops, to project management, to customer success, if that's not consistent, you're going to really struggle. So if you want to, you know, turn your client base into your own sales force and big raving fans, you have to create an experience for them that they want to talk about. You have to create an experience that they feel wowed by. And um, I think when you do that and you combine it with some really powerful tools and a lot of experience um, and then you deliver on what you say you're going to do, it's, it's a really powerful combination. Most people think selling is more um, this, uh, in terms of a solution to growth and scaling. It's it's a, th- that will solve all your problems. Do you believe that is true? If not, where do you start with the process of scaling up? No, I mean you have to have your processes ready. You have to you have to be able to scale before you uh, before you try to scale. So we've made the mistake early on years ago of trying to scale up too quickly, and we operationally we're providing the same experience for our very small transactional customers as our enterprise customers we were sort of putting all of them in the same bucket um, and it created bad experiences Um, we weren't handling our enterprise customers with um, you know the proper project management and and so it was a little bit of a learning experience early on so you really got to understand you know do I have the right people and do we have the right processes in place that will allow us to, to scale what we're doing? Um, so it is a little bit of a combination, but you can't put your foot on the gas um, if you don't have a solid foundation. Absolutely. So tell me, how did you decide to implement those changes that would propel your organization and result in upscaling and growth? Um, who made that decision? How did you get there? I think it's just a desire to continue to grow and um, move forward and progress. 
Um, so that would be mainly me, you know, setting the vision for the mm -hmm. company, um, outlining the path and creating challenging goals for everyone in the company to reach towards at every level, creating transparency behind those goals so people can see them and they're, they feel like they're part of something, you know, important and special. And, you know, measuring how you're doing. I think that's the most critical element. I think a lot of people in our industry and outside of our industry get really excited about the, the year ahead of them and set a few goals, but they're not really measuring or focusing on what matters the most um, as they start to, to build. And and that's where a lot of people actually make the mistake of, um, um, as you said, making setting up goals but not being able to reach them because they don't know what those goals are, how to measure them. Exactly. Right. So is, is there a framework, uh, official or informal, that you may have developed yourself that language companies use to scale up or it comes down to your unique situation and, and finding the right opportunities and right people for it? No, I think we have a good framework that if we were, I mean, if I were to launch a company tomorrow, that it would be successful because we've failed so many times in trying different approaches and solutions. We've we've worked with um, some of the best people in the industry. I've hired some of the biggest names in the industry. Our former president was the CEO of SDL. You know, we have some really powerful people on our team, on our project management, our operations team. So I think that we have a model that um, can be replicated uh, both for transactional smaller business but also enterprise customers and enterprise growth. I'm interested to hear about that model. Um, what are the core components? What are the prongs that this model stands on and, and what makes it successful? Well, it's really about putting a magnifying glass on the process. You know, so if you remove yourself from the business and stop thinking about the task at hand and what you've got to get done and focus on the customer experience of what happens to this type of customer at every touch point in the organization who's communicating with them what's happening what are the expectations what are how are we updating them what tools are we using what's their experience right here how can we improve that again it's a service-based business we use powerful tools to help support that but if you take a real close look at the customer journey from A to Z, either on small projects or enterprise projects, and you take time to dissect that and have a look at, you know, what what that's like for from a customer's perspective. And then at the same time, you take a heavy, you know, engaged approach to running CSAT and NPS with your customers. You have to be very eager to listen to them and understand how can we be a better provider what can we be doing better? What did you not like about this? You know, do you have ideas this way? Do, you know, can we um, solicit your feedback? Would be open to being on a customer panel? Would you be? So you have to be obsessed with that customer journey. And, you know, I, I, I won't speak to the specifics of our customer journey, but if an organization does that and they're very keen to dig in and learn about that, they can succeed. That's a very, very interesting and uh, eye-opening statement with regards to how um, companies should be looking at themselves. Uh, everyone basically thinks that they're doing the right thing, but uh, as you said, they don't look at themselves uh, from the eyes of the customer or, um, you know, they have to put uh, themselves in, the, in their customer shoes to see uh, what the deficiencies are. Is that what I'm understanding here? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you should be your biggest critic, you know, I mean, on a personal level, if anyone listens to this, it's apparent 
I would challenge anyone to go home to their kids and at point blank ask them, how can I be a better parent? How can I be a better dad? How have I been doing this last month, this last 90 days? I don't mean a lot of people that actually do that because some people aren't okay with feedback that way. They don't want to hear it. You know, they'd rather bury it. Customer feedback is no different. Customer feedback and actually demonstrating that you really care. You demonstrate that you want to listen. You demonstrate that you're keen to hear their feedback. And you demonstrate that through this feedback that you value, you work on implementing and making changes and improving. So like with my kids, for example, I ask them every month, how can I be a better dad? And they give me feedback. Then I ask them, hey, I've really been working on this. You know, how am I doing? They're like, dad, you're doing great. Well, thank you. There's no different with your customer. It's a relationship, right? It's a relationship with my children. So I'm just trying to be the best dad I can be with our customers. You know, we're providing an experience and service and communication. We're trying to do that the best that we can as well. That's a great way of uh, doing things, actually, to always be involved and and, um, let other people tell you exactly what areas of opportunities are present for you. So, Cody, talk to me about the role of um, strategic decision making and how the right decisions can help you grow. Um, As you said, a lot of us are just looking at our day-to-day lives and and we focus on the now. So. How can you be strategic? How can you think about the future and, and the direction you want to head to? Well, you know, I think that I made a lot of mistakes early on building the company and just moving fast and making quick decisions on emotion and chasing shiny objects, if you will. But uh, I think it's really important to slow down and to think about what you know the objectives are for an organization, how how can you actually achieve those and measure them at the same time, right? What are we trying to do? How are we going to get there? And how will we measure success? Sort of those three questions. And I think it's really important to make those goals transparent across the entire organization. So if someone at the lowest level of the organization, you know, wants to understand what the goals are, my goals as CEO are, they can see them. And our goals and our what we're doing is linked towards an ultimate, you know, one or two primary objectives. And all the actions and things that we work on together are linked. Um, and we measure those. Because at any given moment, you're going to have people that are doing the wrong work. I mean, it's enough to make any business owner completely sick to think that, you know, there's people in my company that are probably not doing things the right way or they're not focusing on what actually matters most um, to, to help us create the biggest impact in our key objectives. So when you create transparency around company-wide goals, people feel very much aligned. It also creates a greater sense of uh, accountability and transparency. You can manage performance in real time versus you know, siloed management or siloed performance management where you talk to someone every six months or a year and you monitor KPIs, it's just not effective. So I think a really good way to do that is to make sure that your company goals are shared for everyone and they can see them, make them transparent. So growing too slow is um, a big problem, Cody, but 
Growing too fast is even a bigger problem, as you mentioned earlier. Where, where do you find the right balance between the pace of growth and, and your success? Well, I think it's just about growing smart. You know, in the past, we've taken on customers that we shouldn't have taken on. And we made commitments that we didn't fulfill. And so I think that you have to make sure that if you're really going to work on a larger enterprise deal that you you have a rollout plan and a plan to onboard volume and phases perhaps, you know, looking at, we have one customer that it took over a year to onboard all of their volume. And I think all of us would magically like to snap our fingers and capture that in one month, but it's not smart to scale that way. Um, so you want to make sure that you're saying yes to what you will succeed in. You're saying no to maintain your integrity in the industry and, um, with your customers, but then you also have a really strong rollout plan to, to scale that. I think that you can grow very quickly if you're, you know, if you've got good processes from sales to operations and onboarding and, you know, uh, a, just a supported plan for people and bringing on more depth to help manage uh, growth. Um, as a language company, we depend on normally the, the three prong, prongs of our uh, organizational structure, which includes the customer, our staff, and of course, our uh, linguist colleagues. Uh, during scaling up and, and growth, how do you turn the knobs on all of these prongs simultaneously to, to ensure that the growth is sustainable? Well, you know, you have to make all three of them part of your priorities. I mean, you know, fueling the sales engine comes from marketing you have to add fuel to the engine driving right. the sales team takes monitoring real key kpis in conversions and meetings and demos and things like that um your supply chain management should be the same thing you should have some goals as it relates to quality or improving quality or maybe expansion of tier two growth in tier three building out an APAC division for this client, you know, uh, sharing appreciation and support for uh, teams of translators. Um, you know, the translators and our linguists are really our lifeblood. So you have to treat them the same as you treat customers, if not better. Um, right. They're the ones, they're the sort of the unsung heroes that are up at 2 a.m. working on stuff that we deliver an invoice. So you just really have to take a, a relationship approach to customers and the translators in the same way. A lot of, uh, you know, I'll say like love and appreciation. Just be genuine about it while at the same time driving, you know, those goals and those objectives that you have internally, driving those forward with just relentless execution. Thank you. Cody, let me ask you about those business units that are critical to the success of a, a growth plan. What are they and how do you engage them to make sure that you make the maximum impact? Well, I think the... One of the most critical elements is sales and marketing. You know, there's a saying, revenue solves all problems, right? Right, right. It doesn't solve all problems, but it certainly is a great problem to have. So you want to make a really strong investment in your marketing engine and your sales engine. That's the, the fuel that you're putting in it is the marketing. And then the people, you know, that are actually doing the outreach, the the outbound dials, the engagement, that should be, a, in my opinion, a very consistent top priority um, in addition to having ex exceptional operational and project management teams and people to support what 
you know, you're, you're selling. If you don't have a good sales team and a sales engine, you're just not going to grow. That's it. Right. You, you can have the greatest technology. You can have a, a lot of license, a lot of tools that you can license and you can have a pretty website, but if you don't have a really strong sales and marketing arm, you're not going to make it. And what makes uh, a strong uh, or innovative, I would say, sales team? Uh, where do you start building a good one? I think it all starts with the energy. You know, that's the first touch point for customers and their first impression is really a lot of that outbound work that's being done. So it's about the energy that's being developed by the leader of the company, but also the who's overseeing the sales team and the sales members. It's got to be consistent. You cannot have people on the sales team that do not fit into your culture, uh, especially the culture that you want to develop and the energy you want to create, the passion that you want to deliver into uh, sales efforts. Mm-hmm. And circling back to leadership, uh, the vision defines everything, as you said, in an organization. How does a leader decide to use resources to go from 10 to 100? I think that's an ongoing learning process for a lot of, you know, leaders and uh, entrepreneurs and CEOs. You can, resources are there in a number of different ways. They're there in, in people. You can bring people on, you can have boards, you can have employees that are have walked the path, that have demonstrated success, um, that have done things that, you know, like in my position as a leader that I've never done. You can have sounding boards and advisory boards and panels to help you um, continue to shape the company and challenge you and get you thinking about things in different ways. There's also, you know, financial uh, uh, opportunities. You know, I've really enjoyed watching um, Suma Lingua and their growth. And I have a, my friend Chris over there is, you know, he is an inspiring entrepreneur and his stories. They've built their technology. He built technology and he then he opened it up to more technology tools. He merged with Mayflower and Madhuri and they took on some growth equity money. So been really inspiring to watch that now they're doing an M&A and they are they have some really exciting you know prospects so it's kind of a, a mixture of being very resourceful and leveraging a few different you know uh, elements of those resources I understand Cody what fears and uncertainty did you personally have to overcome to allow this growth and scaling to happen well that never really goes away actually I think um Especially, I mean, look at the year that we're coming out of. Many, many firms in our industry really struggled. Many businesses around the world shut their doors. So I think it there's always, you know, the fear of the unknown and the fear of the um, future risks that you haven't taken, but you know that you need to um, and the decisions that you need to move it forward. But, you know, that's part of, you know, growing a business, whether it's, you know, the size of TransPerfect approaching a billion or, you know, a company that's 50 million, you are constantly taking calculated risks. And as you learn, those risks become uh, more calculated. And so it, it reduces that fear, but it's all about progress. You know, a human being doesn't feel good unless they're progressing. I mean, look at someone, if they want to lose 50 pounds, they lose 25 pounds and you see the look on their face, they're pretty happy about that. 
It's because they're, they've challenged themselves. They've made goals. They wrote them down. They're working towards a plan. No, a company is no different. You know, you write things down, you make a plan, and you dive in. You reduce fears and make progress every day and execute on what's most important. And, and you'll experience, you know, success. So you have to just eliminate fears and just be comfortable with, you know, knowing that they never go away. You just have to dive in and make progress on them. And what did uh, what type of a role did your education play in the success of your organization, Cody? Would you say academic knowledge helped you make better business decisions or it was your on-the-job experience that helped you see things vividly clear? Absolutely. Um, it's both. It's both. I'm, um, you know, I'm 40 years old, so I'm, I'm this interesting blend right now of old school, you know, academic institution education. I have my undergrad, my master's. I went to Harvard and MIT, and I read probably a book every two weeks or three weeks. So um, it's both. I mean, I studied information systems, so I didn't, I wasn't a software engineer, but I took a keen, you know, interest in learning about technologies, databases, backend, um, emerging web technologies, solutions, tools. So I had a better understanding of what it would require to build our platform or to work, you know, and build technology solutions as it relates to our industry. It would have been really easy for me to go get an MBA. I mean, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a salesperson. That would have been simple. Um, but I was getting an MBA every day building the company. So I did something that was very challenging and studied information systems. And then I challenged myself as a leader, right? I, I studied authentic leadership development at Harvard, ALD, and right. that's hard. I mean, it's you, you have to really look at what it takes to be a powerful leader and um, a meaningful, impactful leader. And it's a, it's a great time to, to uh, be critical about yourself and how you can you can grow so i think it's really valuable to do both you know if you want to get smart then hop on google and you know google things or go to the library that used to be the answer go to the library if you want to change your life you have to put yourself in positions where you are around people and building networks that can help take you to new heights and new places you could be the smartest person in the world But if you're introverted and sit on your couch, it's going to be really hard to develop relationships and create other opportunities. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more on that. Um, none of us are, you know, ever going to have enough knowledge to, to know everything about this world, uh, let alone business. So I, I think uh, what you just said, it echoes with everyone here that you should always be surrounded by smart people and, and people that you can learn things from. Um, likewise, if an opportunity presents itself, you have to study it. And, and as you said, if it's not for you, then you should have the ability and courage to say no to it, which most of us, unfortunately, in this industry don't have at this point they, they take on anything that comes their way and do you see that as a problem um yes i mean yes it i i think it can be a problem if it's not looked at with a critical eye and take kind of a delicate approach to it if you had a choice uh, to go back and redo your organization's growth plan uh, cody what would you do uh, what would you change uh, where could you have done better Well, earlier I mentioned about the importance of a really strong sales and marketing engine. That's a lot of my background as well. I'm a very passionate salesperson, so leading teams that way comes easy and naturally. I wasn't as focused on the operational execution of the customer experience. So 
we lost a lot of customers and millions of dollars and very painful learning experiences. So I think what I would do differently is ensure that I create a rock solid operation and really strong deliverables and, and processes for our ops team to make it so they can succeed. We can succeed in engagement, succeed in delivery and create great experiences together at the company. Um, so I would have spent more time really looking at how we're operating instead of just trusting, you know, I just blindly trusted a lot of people that I hired like, oh, well, you've got great operational background. You own this category. I have to entrust you, right? You know, you, you can't micromanage. You can't, you got to trust. But the reality is you own it. You, right. know? you have to take ownership over that. If it's not working, if operations isn't really sound and fluid, then you either need to make changes or change personnel. And sometimes yeah. that happens. You, grow, you can grow out of people, you know, you can hire, like when you're a smaller firm, you're, I remember when we first started, I was like asking my cousins and like, you know, family members and friends, if they could help me with things. And then you, you hire people that are lower level that are D talent or C talent. And then, you know, you can start hiring much better people, but you can, the company can outgrow the person, you know, they can, you can look at what the company needs. And then the person has no depth, no experience. You, they got you to a point, but you need someone different at that stage. And, and I guess most of us um, in this industry can't recognize um, areas of opportunity and growth. As you just said, you need to know when uh, you've outgrown your personnel, that you need a different type of personnel, different type of experiences. Um, but most importantly, what most of us are lacking is the business acumen uh, as leaders in this organization. I mean, if you take most uh, translation companies in general, uh, they are run by translators, people who study to translate, but they've mm -hmm. become business people. So what would you say to them in order to, to they're eager to actually grow their businesses, but they don't know how to do that. And they don't have a business acumen. As you said, uh, you know, getting some knowledge is important, but where should they start? It's a good question. I think, you know, there's a, there are a lot of, well, three thoughts. One, find a mentor or two. And as I mentioned earlier about how can we be a better language services provider? How can I be a better dad? You know, the question is, how can I be a better entrepreneur? How can I be a better leader? Here's what I'm challenged with. Here's, here's the things I'm trying to overcome. What would you do in my position? So a mentor, mentors are magic. Um, second, look at the categories where you need to learn and where you need to grow. You know, I was an entrepreneur turned, you know, manager, boss turned strategic CEO. So you can't just, you know, become a, a good CEO by through the path of being an entrepreneur. Like you have to intentionally make the decision to learn, like, what does it mean to be a good, authentic leader? And so I studied that category, you know, relentlessly. I studied a lot of, a lot of books, a lot of reading, a lot of, so you have to make an, you know, a decision to engage the areas where you can grow. Um, and then third, you know, I think that there are a number of people in our industry that are much more open to relationships and, uh, and helping, um, you know, it's, it's you know, 60 plus billion and it's a wide open industry. And the reality is, is everyone wants to help everyone else succeed. We're all humans. We're all struggling. So, you know, I mentioned Chris at Sumalingo earlier. I've had a lot of, you know, calls with him. Um, one-on-ones and stuff because he's walked the path that I've walked and we just have a good relationship. So I think there's a lot of help out there if if people aren't 
you know, move aside your pride and your ego and all these silly thoughts and just say, hey, look, I'm, I'm struggling with this. Can you help me? I, I think that you might be able to have some insight and feedback. And it's not, you're not going saying, I'm going to take all your customers and I want all your trade secrets. You're just talking to them, you know, one person to another. And um, that's where relationships are built too, is that vulnerability of asking for help. So you got to ask for help from good people. You got to find a mentor and then you got to challenge yourself to learn in the categories that where your weaknesses exist. What a great piece of advice there. What is the role of the industry in helping an organization grow, Cody? What is the role of the industry in helping our organization grow? That's right. That's a great question. The role of the industry is to help validate our strategic plans, right? The role of the industry is to to help us make decisions and help us plan, um, but validate that we're moving in the right direction. The role of the industry is to create awareness for global organizations that localization and translation strategy is growth strategy. It's been, for years, been looked at as just a cost to translate your tech manuals. But more than ever now, marketing teams and brand ambassadors and people managing content and speed of deployment and engagement numbers and ROI understand that real experiences, language experiences, product experiences, employee experiences, all types of experiences that are generated start with words and language. So it's important for our industry to create that awareness for global organizations and allow professional firms like ours to validate it through services and solutions and help these ambitious brands grow and be successful. What advice and words of wisdom do you have for uh, executives in our industry? Spend more time with your family. Yeah, because family is first. Yeah. Right? That's it. Like I could go on about our industry and strategy and tools and all that stuff, but you know, The best piece of advice that my mentors give me that are 20 years older than me is spend more time with your family because you don't get that time back. Your kids aren't, you know, they're only four years old one time. They're only five years old one time. And um, you're going to always be busy. You're going to always have lots to do and things to build and things to chase. But you don't get that time back with your family. And that's the most precious thing there is. And, you know, when you ask mentors, what do you regret? All of them will say that. I wish I wouldn't have done 16, 18 hour days. I mean, for what, you know, so. Because at the end of the day, what you do is for your family to begin with, right? Exactly. Yeah. So I would, I would look at yourself with a really critical eye, you know, how healthy are your relationships at home? How healthy is your, your own personal health? How healthy is your relationship with your kids and your wife? And, you know, do you need to, you need to go on a diet? Do you need to, that's my That's my feedback is like, you want your company to succeed. You better take care of yourself. Make sure you, you better get your house in order. You better get your family and your life in order. Be invest in that. And then, you know, it'll, it'll bleed over into your company being successful. You success on the family, personal side, success in the company. It starts there though. Don't, you know, push things off and neglect your family and your kids and stuff for your business. It's, it's just not smart. I don't care. You know, there's the greatest success in the world is, is with your family. So you can see people that are worth hundreds of millions that are just so depressed and they have horrible lives and celebrities and stuff. They just envy families that are really close and where there's a lot of love and um, a lot of growth with the family. That's my feedback to the 
executives. Words of wisdom indeed. Uh, sadly, Cody, we have reached the end of this interview, but this conversation will have to continue. And how can people reach out to you to discuss business or talk to you about uh, what we discussed today? Yeah, have them just reach out to me directly. My email is codyb at inwhatlanguage.com. You can, you know, if you don't, they don't have that, just go on our website, find me on LinkedIn, connect with me. You know, if I don't get back to you quickly, I will get back to you, um, especially if it's genuine and sincere and if it relates to this. Um, you know, you and I probably, I probably get 20 to 30 sales related pitches every day that I hit delete <laughs> or I ignore. But if it's someone that's got a personal or just a genuine outreach, I'm not going to ignore it. So just, you know, I love building my network too. Absolutely. Cody, I can't tell you how much I enjoyed our talk here today. And and I learned a great deal, actually. The fact that you talk so much uh, candidly about family and about values that we should have at a personal level, that really, really, actually, um, I, I'm sure it resonates with everyone listening right now. Uh, it has resonated with me and at a level that I haven't thought of before. So I'm sure people listening to us uh, learned at least one thing that they could apply to their business. I hope we can do this again. Uh, thank you for your time. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sultan. I appreciate the opportunity and great questions, great dialogue. And um, it was great to meet you. And thank you for having me on. Okay. It's time for my roundup of the interview and my analysis as to what has been discussed. Cody went into great lengths today to explain what works in growing and scaling a translation company. I believe, like anything else, hard work and being disciplined pays off at the end. If you're in a position where scaling up is top of mind for you, I think you may find it helpful to step back and do a quick 360 review of where you are in your business journey and where you want to be. Once you have figured that out, as Cody pointed out, then you need to connect the dots and find the best way to get there. It may involve building teams, finding the right people and graduating into different levels until you hit that target. Like anything else in life, growing a business is not easy and comes with a lot of problems. But again, those problems are growing pains and must be celebrated. There you have it. I had a great discussion with Cody Broderick from Inwat Language. We covered scaling up your organization and as such many important topics were touched upon. I think this subject warrants a lot of coverage and I promise that we will dedicate several episodes down the road on growing and scaling up your business. Don't forget to subscribe to the translation company Talk on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify or your favorite platform. Give us a thumbs up and a good rating as that will boost our morale and the popularity of this podcast. Make sure to keep your comments and feedback coming. I really enjoy reading them. Until next time. Thank you for listening. Make sure to subscribe and stay tuned for our next episode.